Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lab horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I am Andy Stewart. Happy Saturday night, Mitch. Yes, Saturday night of all times. Now this is very much an anomaly for us. Uh, we sometimes do it Friday night if we've both got busy weekends. Mm-hmm. Or Saturday Sunday, during the day. Sometimes, yeah, if we've, if we've both got busy Sundays. Sunday morning, generally optimal, but very seldom are we sitting down to do this at 7.44pm on a Saturday night. Mm, I've got a belly full of various boozes. Um, I haven't yet, but I have opened my first beer for the evening. I've got beer and wine, double fisting. Fantastic. Um, how are you? I'm pretty good, I'm alright, I'm alright. I've had a really busy week uh, through one thing or another. I haven't really watched a massive amount of stuff, except for okay. uh, one thing which I'll talk about very, very briefly in a minute, and uh, my Nature Gone Wild film, uh, mm-hmm. because I've been doing a bunch of writing this week, because I had a few bits and bobs happen over the course of the week that have uh, forced me to accelerate some writing, so that's what I've kind of mostly been doing, but I did make time to go on to Shudder this week and watch Slacks. Yeah, so, um, Elsa Kleppart's Slacks, which we spoke about back in October when it played at the second online Fright Fest mm. of 2020. The Killer Jeans film that we mentioned <laughs> on the streaming platforms sure. last week, uh, I liked this a lot. How did you find it? I've got, I don't really want to touch on it too much, Mitch, because we have kind of talked about it in reasonable depth in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of want to echo everything you said about it. I really, really like it. I think it's really, it's far more interesting and perceptive than the kind of conceit would have you believe. I might, I might have a kind of like lazy Sunday rewatch of that mm-hmm. uh, because I, I've been kind of, it's been on my mind since I spotted it, kind of resurfacing. Uh, yeah, I, I really want to go back to it as well. I have a couple of things from this week. A couple of things that I watched that um, I'm not going to mention because I think we're going to hang on to them for Patreon purposes. Yeah, we, uh, again, well, we're going to have something this week, but time kind of got away from us. So I think it'll probably be a Patreon doubler again next week. Yeah, we'll be back. However, yeah, a couple of things uh, that I've got. I recently landed on Sky Cinema, which we mentioned on the streaming platforms a few weeks ago. I watched Robert Zemeckis's The Witches this week. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. How, how did this go? Well, yeah. So, adaptation of the Roald Dahl book and obviously a remake of the Nicholas Rogue film from the 90s. Now, mm. I was really, I really, really liked the Nicholas Rogue one when I was little. I think it was one of those things where it was like, I had a kind of fascination with villains and evil things when mm. I was younger and I went a long spell and not watching horror at all and then came back to it. So, I remember like that Grand Witch reveal in the first one with Angelica Houston being legitimately terrifying but maybe being kind of like finding it kind of compulsive viewing. Mm. By the way, I saw the witches in the cinema in Aberdeen. Um, wow, I wonder if it was the old Odeon. <laughs> I don't remember exactly where it was, but I remember being in Aberdeen because, as you know, I've got family from up that way, mm-hmm. and it being the witches when it came out. Yeah, this I think is not bad. It's not half as bad as some people are making it out to be. I think it got a pretty hard time, didn't it? I, I did, yeah. And I mean, like, and there's things about it that I like and things about it that I don't like. So, um, for anyone that's unfamiliar, what you have here is um, a kid who's uh, on holiday at this hotel, and it coincide to the arrival of a coven of witches who are hunting children. Yes. Um, yes. Which is as precisely as dark as it sounds, and then the second half gets a little bit capery when him and another kid at the hotel get turned into mice. 
Yeah, it's kind of like a, a convention, a witch's kind of convention. Yeah. Um. So the good parts then. Octavia Spencer mm-hmm. is in this. She is uh, brilliant as she tends to be. Yeah, she is pretty great. I watched uh, an episode of X Files the other day that had Octavia Spencer in it, playing a character called Nurse Octavia. Oh, <laughs> really? I wonder where they got the name from. <laughs> Clever. But yeah, it's it's uh, narrated by Chris Rock, this one, as well. And we've got uh, Jazier Bruno in the uh, lead role. All of them great. I also think that the entire way that this looks is great. It's really cartoonish and really dreamlike. And it really nails that. I think it visually, actually, it, I think it's a magic film to look at. And I was quite enjoying it in, in the kind of early going, but I was kind of thinking it's like, it's all going to hinge on this Grand Witch moment. And I don't think that that lands, really. Because that would... Anne Hathaway in this one, right? It is Anne Hathaway, yeah, as the Grand Witch. And I, I'm not a particular fan of her in this. I also think that like um, the kind of massive, wide, mandible smile thing that she oh, has. Yeah. like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I understand why this needed to be CG, because if they tried to do it uh, prosthetics-wise, this just immediately, by default, wouldn't be a kid's film anymore. But yeah, it looks a bit weird. I'm not mad about her performance in it. Um, and I feel like the kind of capery second half doesn't land half as well as it does in the original. But it probably narrowly gets more right than it gets wrong, in my opinion. It does taper off, and I would say that your kind of central villain performance from Anne Hathaway leaves a bit to be desired. But in terms of like the atmosphere that it cultivates, and Octavia Spencer, Jazza Bruno, Chris Rock, and Stanley Tucci, mm. all really strong. So there's a decent amount to like in it. It's actually probably also like not a bad wee horror starter for kids. Right, okay. Um, although I th- I'd imagine that like that massive Anne Hathaway evil smile thing would probably give some kids nightmares, but with a bit of discretion, um, I would say that it's probably not a bad one for that purpose. Lovely. Elsewhere, uh, carrying on rinsing my newfound Sky Cinema. Uh, yeah. By the way, did you see the Wellington Paranormals coming to Now TV? So- yes, uh, Sky Comedy apparently in yeah. April. Yeah, uh, great news. But yeah, I also checked out We Summon the Darkness. Oh right, okay. <laughs> Uh, that's been on my list for quite a while. Basically, it's set in the 80s. You've got these three guys who go to this metal show, fall in tow with uh, these three girls, the kind of lead one of which is played by Alexandra Daddario. Mm-hmm. Yes. And she's kind of like, oh, we're going to carry on partying at like my dad's house or somewhere nearby. Uh, they follow them back there and get more than they bargained for because they're going to get sacrificed. Hooray! It's basically the long and short of it. Thought this was really fun. I would say it probably doesn't make it all the way over the line, uh, momentum-wise. I was, I would say, I was probably starting to just kind of wander away from it a little bit mentally as it got towards the last twenty minutes or so. But has a decent amount of fun. Also, I think that, like in my experience, when I've seen Alexandra Daddario and things, she tends to play slightly more uptight characters than this. Right. Okay. And she kind of cuts loose a bit in this, and I think that she's really good. And um, the kind of 80s period detail is pretty fun. This You could do a lot worse than this. I've said this a lot recently, but um, given my kind of need at the moment to watch something that's kind of relaxing midweek, it's a good Wednesday night movie. It's a good, like, 90-minute, right. yeah. just, like, dip in, enjoy, to watch some people get splattered in some stuff, listen to some metal. Do you know that also sounds like the plot line to Double Day? Yeah, you know what? You're not wrong. But, mm. yeah, We Summon the Darkness is really good fun. Um, I like that quite a bit. And like I said, that's available on Sky Cinema. If anybody wants to check that out, it sounds like a thing. And uh, just yesterday, I uh, jumped onto Shudder and checked out It Cuts Deep. Right, what is this? With It Cuts Deep, you have this couple, uh, the guy of which is incredibly unlikable. Uh, the film sells you on that right out of the <laughs> gate in a way that it's like, uh, in a way that it's kind of totally intentional. They are kind of trying to figure out what's next for them as a couple of times knocking on. Got you. Mm-hmm. Um, time to get to the bottom of where this is headed. While all this is going on, a mysterious guy from his past reappears and seems to be in possession of some kind of knowledge. 
Ooh. Um, and it's this kind of mountain paranoia, and it kind of plays out. It's a, it's like seventy seven minutes long, and it's a, so it kind of plays out like a horror comedy version of The Gift. Right. Okay. To a large extent, you really have to choke down how much of a dickhead this guy is. To be honest, <laughs> um, to begin with, I was like, oh, I get it. I'm not supposed to like him because he keeps on saying really moronic and inconsiderate things. And then after like quarter of an hour, I was like, they're possibly overplaying their hand on this because I am going to have to watch this guy for another hour. Yeah. And that also honestly gets a little bit exhausting, but I think that that's kind of the point. But yeah, this was also pretty interesting. I've had an okay week viewing-wise, actually. I'm just realising that. kind of landed on my feet. Because um, I, wa- I watched a few things. I would say of the three that I've watched this week, We Summon the Darkness is comfortably the one that I got the most out of. Okay. But um, but none of them none of them really missed the mark. And that was It Cuts Deep. And like I say, if you like the sound of that, that's available on Shudder. Also this week, very briefly, I revisited Us for the first time since I saw it at the cinema. Of course you did. Because yeah. um, it, it's just newly appeared on Netflix, as keen listeners will know. Mm-hmm. Um I watched this while also in conversation with Faye Ellis of I Spit in Your Grades. Of course, yeah. Who has seen that film a lot more times than me and knows absolutely every last thing about it and was pointing out things to me as it went that I would never have caught. That film is very rewarding on yeah. second watch. I didn't realise precisely how much more I was going to get out of it and I loved it in the first place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I caught up with that on Netflix as well. So a good week of viewing for me, to be honest. Uh, the Witches, We Summon the Darkness and It Cuts Deep all succeeding to various degrees. Pretty great. Well done. Thanks very much. However... <laughs> Um, so going from slacks, which I thoroughly enjoyed, actually, to something that I didn't enjoy. But okay. you know, I've decided I'm just going to, for however long is left in this side quest of mine, I'm just going to embrace the moronic nature of it and just kind of allow it to wash over me and not get too bogged down and get enraging. Because the past couple of weeks have enraged me. The films aren't going to get better, generally. I think as a general rule of thumb, the kind of things they're going for, they're broadly not going to improve in a seismic weather change kind of way. So I think that recalibrating your approach to it is maybe the best way to do it. What I've realised is... I mean, I'm not really checking IMDb scores or anything before I go into them. It's kind of based solely on the title, generally, uh, Mm -hmm. and the the kind of little poster image that you get on Amazon Prime. Um, But I've decided, you know what? Fuck it. It's the luck of the draw. Like, if, If I want to watch something good, I'll look up a list of good Animal Attack movies. That's true. That's you know fair. I mean? If I'm picking something that's called, like... House Shark. House Shark or Shark and Saw, Women's Prison Massacre, I can't really expect a masterpiece, really, so I, I don't know what I'm expecting. And with that in mind, I went on Amazon Prime this week and watched Big Bad Bugs. Excellent. Okay, <laughs> cool. Um, so, away from sharks and uh, hmm. to much tinier terrors. Yeah, but I've got to say, it's not all bugs, because there's some snakes in here as well. So, uh, yeah, this is about a kind of Navy SEAL team who are deployed to uh, look for another team who've gone missing. It's kind of the storyline of Predator, but it has kind of big scorpions and spiders and snakes from outer space. God-awful, god-awful, I have to say. And just checking quickly while I'm here, 2.3 out of 10 on IMDb. <laughs> Sturdy. Wow. Yeah, okay. Wow. Uh, yeah, this isn't great either. Um, I still don't think it's the worst one I've watched, though. I, I, I would still say that Shark and Saw Women's Prison Massacre is indeed the nadir of this whole venture. Yeah, I have spoken to a few people who have watched that under various circumstances over lockdowns, and they all seem to absolutely hate it, in all honesty. Yeah, yeah I had a couple of people come at me after I mentioned it, just saying, look, I get it. I watched it as well. It was more, I think someone said to me it was like um, Tremors meets ex-pawn styles or something like that. Okay. <laughs> doesn't sound a million miles off the mark from what you're saying to me, to be honest. Yeah, it's not good. Um, neither is Big Bad Bugs, but do you know what? I still preferred it. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm glad that like, I'm glad that like it, it was at least a kind of like vague upturn in fortunes. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like I'm coming at a lot of things in my life with a kind of cheerier perspective, let's say. 
And that includes my Nature Gone Wild side quest. I think that regardless of the quality of this week's film, you are emerging from this with a stronger, healthier attitude towards this entire pursuit. Yeah, there's been growth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And in the end, isn't that the real truth? Yeah, yeah, that's what we're here for. That's what this has all been about all along. Yeah. So. So. What have they been saying? Feedback time then, and uh, as per usual, a decent amount coming in. Um, big thank you to everybody that's been in touch, but mm. uh, most notably, front and centre this week has been Maximum Overdrive. Now, a big thank you to Andy Mitten, director of The Harbinger, Yellow Brick Road, We Go On and The Witch in the Window, who joined us this week and uh, took us back to 1986 with Maximum Overdrive. Yes, yeah, amazing times, and what a lovely guy. I know we said it after the recording, like, but uh, absolutely lovely. Exceptionally nice man. And speaking of exceptionally nice men, our old pal Kevin, salt popcorn on Twitter, getting in touch. Really enjoyed this episode as usual. Maximum Overdrive has been a film I've always had a soft spot for. God bless the madness of our coked out Stephen King. Yeah, and on a similar kind of tip, Andre Martins at Callahan getting in touch to say, Hell yeah! ATMs insulting the customer, Green Goblin trucks and other machines on a killing spree while ACDC is rocking hard. Just imagine if the other rest of his brother had been in on the coke party making this even more <laughs> mad. Uh, do you remember that time that uh, Charlie Sheen found himself in Easter House in Glasgow taking coke and it was like in all the newspapers and stuff? It was like a big deal. Oh yeah, kinda. Yeah, yeah. Swinging a faint bell in there. <laughs> Um, on the subject of Maximum Overdrive and also on the subject of cocaine, uh, Paul Downey um, at Bloody Flicks on Twitter getting in touch saying, wasn't Stephen King off his face on coke when he directed this? Uh, Andy, yes. you interjected and said, yes, he was. Dan Popomatic, excellent retort on this one, who just said, um, Nathan Rabin once referred to it as exactly the film a sentient bag of cocaine would make. <laughs> and to be honest, I, 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 I kind of get the feeling that that's what Stephen King was at the time, so... <laughs> Yep, just, 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 just a heaving burlap sack full of coke and sardines. Yeah, oh, don't remind me about that. Honestly, that really, that really upset me. Yeah, it wasn't great. But though, weirdly, in a way, I can kind of relate because I went through a phase around about Christmas where pretty much all I was eating was jalapeno-flavored Snyder's pretzel bites. Okay, Jesus Christ, your poor wife. Yeah, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, I thought you were going to say, um, at Christmas, all I was doing was taking loads of cocaine. <laughs> um, new person alert. Uh, big hello to uh, Herdy on Twitter, that's Jimbod76, who got in touch simply just to say that he'd, uh, he'd checked out Maximum Overdrive ahead of the show. Uh, while posting a picture of the Stephen King collection that he watched it from, which contained Maximum Overdrive, Silver Bullet and Cat's Eye. Yeah, do you know what? Like, it's really funny. Like, I've actually got that, and I totally forgot I had it. Oh, really? Yeah, I've got that exact set. And when I saw that photo, I was like, I'm sure I've fucking got that because I had to go and like get Maximum Overdrive to do this episode. <laughs> so I had to rummage around in the DVD shelf, and yeah, sure enough, um, there it was. Yeah, there it is. It's, it's hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else on Maximum Overdrive? Of course, I've got more in Maximum Overdrive. Andrew Barron getting in touch now. Uh, myself and Andy Mitten, both Andys, of course, uh, we had a little bit of discourse about being an Andy and the kind of representation that Andys have had in films over the years. Yes. And I I said that the, the kind of only Andy that I really remembered from my youth was Andy, one of the female Goonies. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Andrew Barron at Mr. Blunderbuss still can't get over that, that's great got in touch to say, (laughs) just listening to this week's episode of Strong Violent PC, as a fellow Andy, I would say the character I was most aware of as a kid with the same name was Andy Barkley from Child's Play, now I do get that but I saw the Goonies considerably before I saw Child's Play 
Mm-hmm. Okay, right, right, right. That makes sense. A couple more things here on Maximum Overdrive before we can wrap this one up. Okay. Uh, Lauren Ashley Carter at Davison Lack saying, Enjoying this lengthy appendix for a Maximum Overdrive. A kid <laughs> getting steamrolled. Mitch's birthday came early this year. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's kind of become a thing that you like seeing kids die, and I'm happy to kind of propagate that. I'm sure that you are. Yeah, that's not exactly the truth. But I've explained, you know what? I've explained myself enough about this, and I'm not going back to it. Have you I've seen been, the I've, children? I haven't. No. No, you you, you should. <laughs> <laughs> kind of think why that would be. <laughs> or who could kill a child? Uh, no, no. Yeah, you should. You got any more on maximum overdrive? Because I, I have a couple more things that are a little bit more miscellaneous. Yeah, uh, okay, I've got last thing, Cannonball Jones. Love that name, love it. Lives in Taiwan, he's got a badge on his way to him. Yeah, yeah, very curious to know when that lands. Yeah, me too. <laughs> this podcast could be finished by the time it gets there, like, totally wrapped up and done. We'll both oh, be dead. Oh, hell yes. I must have watched that other cheese fest a hundred times when I was a kid, so full of ridiculous nonsense. I still have half the soundtrack on my playlist for cycling to work. The waitress meltdown. You can't do this. We made you. We made you. Yeah, she's she's one of the highlights of this, and she really doesn't get much to do after the the kind of initial attack when she gets attacked by that hilarious electric knife. Oh, the um, the waitress who yells at trucks like they're people. Yeah. yeah. Yes, my favorite. My well, favorite. You know what? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because what we learn as the film progresses is that the trucks actually, or the vehicles in general, anything electric, obviously has the ability to communicate with humans. Um, be that in the form of Morse code or actually just shouting, as is the case with the kind of drive-through speaker thing. That's true, that's true. Yeah, maybe it is I who is the fool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was. Closing this week then on the feedback with um, <laughs> something that's prompted a lot of discourse over the last couple of weeks, which is the battle of the orange carbonated beverages. Mm, yes. Now, yeah. at the top of the feedback session, I mentioned Kevin Matthews, Saltair Popcorn, but he uh, got back in touch because he was, of course, a winner of nothing uh, last week on Mitch's pitches. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I think you better give a bit of background on this. Yeah, so I think it was on um, a Patreon episode, Edge of the Axe. Yes. Where we was. started talking about... Sunkissed. Yeah, a lot of Sunkissed in that film. But we're saying that, like, I didn't like Sunkissed so much. And um, we were saying that, you know, like, Fanta is a popular Tango. one. Tango. Tango, yeah. Um, I ventured that my favourite is Britvik. <laughs> I ventured that you were a maniac. Um, yeah, you're not alone on mm-hmm. that one. Uh, because uh, Kevin Matthews got in touch. As a qualified winner of nothing this week, I would also like to take this moment to, st- <laughs> to thank the prize givers and stand alongside Mitch in his praise of Britvik. But I can't, because Britvik pales in comparison to the mighty Orangina. Looking forward to the main episode and Slacks. So, Kevin, hope you enjoyed Slacks, but also uh, Orangina, I believe that one actually went undiscussed so far. I've got to say, he's got a point there. There's there's something about Orangina, there's something about the process of Orangina, where you get the little, that little kind of light bulb-shaped bottle and you have to shake it to wake it, I think, actually, is, the, is what it says on the bottle. You agitate those real orange chunks and then swig it down. It's a, it's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. I actually had someone else message me privately to say San Pellegrino. Yes, uh-huh. uh, yeah. yep. I've got a couple of rumblings for San Pellegrino. Oh, that, that shake it to wake it stuff sounds like smoking mirrors to me. You don't get that nonsense with a Vic. <laughs> well, I've got... This conversation isn't over yet because we've got another contender stepping into the ring here. Okay. In the form of Grant Sherwin at Pollock Perlow. Okay. Grant is saying, this is the king. This debate ceases now. He would also like to put forward the motion that you, Mitch, are placed on a register for even suggesting Britvik. <laughs> okay, very good, very good. Uh, granted, it's not as 
like serious a register as like say the sex offenders register but still in the eyes of like real serious soft drink connoisseurs it's pretty bad <laughs> okay but grant has gone for curry's orange crush which i haven't had to be honest it looks like the kind of thing that kel would drink oh yeah i have from keating and kel yeah the very same I don't yeah. know how discerning he was about his orange soda. I know that he drank a lot of it, but I don't know if he had a brand or not. Well, I'll tell you, it always looked the same. It was always the same brand that he had, to, as far as I can remember. And it looked like that kind of day-glow, overly-coloured stuff. Like, just just full of E-numbers. Um, speaking of which, just as a complete sideline, you know what I did last night? What did you do last night? Made a dragon soup cocktail. Oh, wow! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with an alcoholic energy drink had dragon soup and also pessoa in it it was a oh. bold shade of pink how tropical i th- you know what it was dead nice actually but anyway that's a different story for another day i forgot day. pessoa even existed that's your uh, passion fruit liqueur there isn't it the very same yeah <laughs> yeah opaque black bottle absolutely yeah you may be wondering how i came into possession of a bottle of pessoa the short answer is i bought it because i like it <laughs> That, I believe, wraps the feedback for this week, unless you've got anything else. <laughs> no, I fucking don't, no. Okay, moving swiftly on, then. It is, once again, time for Mitch's Pitches. Now, Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. <laughs> While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He'll have photoshopped out the title and the tagline, and have left only the image. It will fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability, and also give it a title and a synopsis based on that image alone, which I did last week with Stranger Among the Living. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was the one that was just legs. Uh, yes, that's mm. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I spun around to a nabber stabber ankle grabber. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. The unsuccessful follow-up to Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah, that's that's garbage. Uh, but yes, a few people getting in touch. Just a handful of entries this week. C.P. Buckley. One night Rob Bear wakes up in the woods not knowing how he got there. As he makes his way home, he stumbles upon what he believes to be a group of people dogging, but soon realises it's a satanic ritual to raise an ancient sex demon. The group attack Rob, but he manages to flee to a nearby abandoned house. However, when he gets inside, he finds that the house is overrun with lesser demons that were failed attempts to raise the sex demon. (laughs) (laughs) Now Rob must decide whether to fight the demons inside or the satanic cult outside, all while he's discovering the real reason he's in the woods. It's the 1997 British schlock horror, Damned Inside, Damned Outside. This bear shouldn't have gone down to the woods. Wow, okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. I like the like the tantalising tease of uh, the fact that he's there for reasons unknown. Well, do you know what I'm going to say? I don't miss Dick Hardman. I think it's interesting to hear CP branch out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's a very interesting one. James Rodriguez on Facebook, when a self-centred footwear guru dies in a tragic fishing accident, <laughs> not even death can stop his hunger for a good pair of shoes. It's 1984's Timberland of the Dead. Great. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Hanny underscore Ray. Yes. On Twitter, an unfaithful man finds himself marked by a demonic entity set on him by his furious ex. The demon trips him up and ties his shoelaces together at inopportune moments. Can he shake this daily annoyance or will it be his final demise? It's Widder Shins. (laughs) (laughs) Trip to hell. (laughs) I quite like that. And by the way, happy belated birthday to Hannah. Oh, lovely. Yes, happy birthday indeed. Mm. And um, to wrap things up this week, Kevin Matthews, Belial and co are back and the diminutive one is hidden down the trouser leg of a top secret agent to be taken on missions where he is released, tasked with finding secret files and then returning to his trousery home. It's Basket Case 4, The Man from Ankle. That's amazing. 
that's your lot for this week. There's only, I think there was only one character name uh, in any of them this week. So I would say just a best picture award this week. Uh, Kevin. Kevin maintaining that streak. Another win. Another brick in his nothing wall. Yeah, I think he's got to be getting close to kind of matching the streak that Tony had for a while. When I guess in the kind of early days or on months. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, when he was kind of really cleaning up. But yeah, big well done to Kevin. You are this week's winner. But thanks to everybody who got in touch this week because they were all great. Yeah, brilliant. Great stuff. Thanks, guys. So, um, Andy. Uh, I, know, it's, I, can say, I can already see where this is going. Just cut to the chase. It's been four or five weeks. How would you feel about an Andy's pitch this week? Sure. Why don't we just install it? I do one a month. How about that? Yeah, like an Andy versus Mitch episode. We'll flip the format once a month. Yeah, that's fine. Just gives like you a that. chance to generally have a laugh at my expense for a change. Yeah. Yeah, um, so I have, uh, in anticipation of you saying yes to this, because I had a feeling that you would probably imagine go I wouldn't, with Imagine it. I was like, no, I'm fucking not doing it. You're Veto. Bang, you're banging to order, dropping this on me like in the middle of the show. Um, Which is how I feel, by the way. Yeah, but I mean, at least you're a sport about it. Um, uh, okay, I have looked out a poster, um, okay. which I have also done a very shoddy clean-up job of. <laughs> I look forward to seeing this. Do you know I've long to wait? It's on its way. Oh, yep, here it is. <laughs> okay, it's not... It's not that bad. Uh, I've sent you worse before. Like I could see that something has been hastily paintbrushed out at the bottom. Yeah, I have. there's actually been stuff paintbrushed out at the top as well, but it's a much clearer division, so it was easier mm. to kind of sneak okay. it through. Yeah, so I'm guessing there was text top and bottom here. I'm mm-hmm. happy to tell you, though, I've got no idea what this is. Oh, lovely. Good. Okay. But uh, if you want a description, I'm more than happy to offer it to you. The background is kind of blue almost kind of looks like police lights like reflected against like a wall or off the water or something like that you, you know what i mean like uh, like the start of the bell yeah got yeah uh-huh uh-huh kind of like light lights kind of like cast long over something yeah 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 uh, i guess the, the kind of key focus of the image is a skull uh, missing several teeth i have to say a very very shoddy uh dental upkeep here mm-hmm. um wearing aviators uh, one lens of which is broken How, curiously the left eye of this uh in fact behind the lens of the aviator the, the left eye and cheek and eyebrow are fully intact skin the works uh, everything mm-hmm. else is uh, kind of bone really uh, and is wearing a, a kind of flat cap that could be some kind of like leather daddy hat it could be maybe some kind of civil war hat uh, it's hard to say, but it does have a bullet hole uh, in the kind of temple region there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty much everything. Uh, and there's a, like a bead, of, a bead of blood dripping off the rim of the hat. Um, that's pretty much everything. Skull wearing aviators, one eye is human wearing a leathery flat cap with a bullet hole in it. Cool, I would say that you've hit on all the key points there. Yeah, I'm not going to get into the reflections in the lens. He's almost dead there. Move on. Okay, as is traditional, I will grant you a minute. Thank you, yeah. A minute is all I'll need. Uh, I've got something kind of brewing here. Uh, It's very silly, but I've got a name that I'm particularly proud of. Uh, I just need to finesse the rest. Okay. Um, how how do you come across these images when you're when you're searching? Um, I googled uh, '80s horror film posters for this one, um, and had to scroll down quite far to find one that you hadn't used. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine. Yeah, I tend to take them <laughs> off the first ten pages. Um, also, I've got to tell you, um, I just went on to IMDb mm-hmm. uh, just to uh, bring up the information that I'll need for the reveal of this. And uh, the last thing that was there was when you sent me um, a link to the IMDb page of the upcoming Forever Purge film. 
apparently the fifth and final Purge film, but the fact that it's called The Forever Purge just made me just want to die. Uh, yes, that's heinous. I hate it. Oh, terrible. Terrible. Um, but, uh, yeah, apparently that's out on the 9th of July because I accidentally hit a button that I uh, tried to add it to my phone's calendar and I was like, that won't be necessary, thank you. <laughs> tried to pre-order tickets that you'll definitely use. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, it's like, you know what, I'm actually okay. Um, however, how are you getting on? Uh, yeah, I think I've got something here. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with this, I think. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> okay, uh, so part of this, the date that I've set this in is kind of related to the character name, so bear with me. <clears throat> it's 1984 in West Hollywood, and mild-mannered student Cameron Eileen takes a job <laughs> at the famous studded cock leather bar to make ends meet. When a tainted batch of paupers causes the patrons to become flesh-hungry zombies, it falls to Cameron and a ragtag bunch of staff and punters to contain the menace and director Chubby Warmer's forgotten, <laughs> yet best-known, high-energy horror classic, Hell for Leather. Once they pop, they won't stop. Brilliant. Like that a lot. Also, you win best character name this week for Cameron Eileen. <laughs> Thanks very much. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Eileen came out in 1982, so I had to kind of place it sometime after that. Very good. What year did you have there again? 1984 is when the film is set, so we'll, we'll, we'll make it roughly that time for when it came out. Okay, so um, a near miss there, um, because this is from 1986. Ooh. Right, okay. And this is, in fact... Armand Mastroianni's The Supernaturals. Oh, okay. I don't know really anything about this. Well, I've got some good news for you. I have a synopsisizer on standby right, to tell okay. you a little more. Um, and our synopsisizer this week, I feel like this may be a returning synopsisizer, but you'll maybe know. Mm-hmm. Humberto Amador. Oh, Humberto Amador. Yeah, we've had him many He's been on many times. He's maybe uh, alongside like Matt Pate and Claudio Cavallo maybe the person we've had the most except for the one that's like open brackets close brackets hyphen full stop you know oh yeah fucking uh top gun boeing x-wing 747 entertainment or whatever it is yeah <laughs> yeah i know the one um yes but Humberto has this to say Nichelle Nichols is an army sergeant who leads her platoon into the woods of the Deep South on a training exercise. Unfortunately, it is the site where a bunch of Yankee soldiers murdered a town of Confederates. The corpse of the dead soldiers rise up to wreak revenge. Is that it? Uh, yeah, and I'll tell you actually a little bit, and it's not for me to sit here and fact check synopsisers, but um, Humberto has uh, listed the character name as Nichelle Nichols, which is actually the actress's name, it's uh, Sergeant Leona Hawkins is her character name. Nichelle Nichols was um, in Star Trek, she's Uhura. Oh, I see, right, okay, obviously I didn't know that. The actors in Star Trek is about where my knowledge of Star Trek ends. Yeah, it's not something I'm an aficionado of either, I must say. But uh, that concludes Mitch's pitches for this week. Well done, Andy. Another great effort there. Thanks very much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that myself. As well you should be. Now, that image is everywhere if everybody wants to get in on that as well. However, turn our attentions to the streamer platforms this week. A little bit thin on the ground, but a couple of things here that I think might turn a couple of heads. Sky Cinema first then, and on Thursday 25th we have got Save Yourselves. A young Brooklyn couple head to an upstate cabin to unplug from their phones and reconnect with each other. Sure. Blissfully unaware of their surroundings, they're left to their own devices as the planet falls under attack. Okay. Uh, Amazon Prime, Monday through Sunday, we have nothing. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Um, and a couple of things hit Netflix on Friday the 26th. We've got season one of The Irregulars. <laughs> Is this people who require more fibre in their diet? <laughs> A crew of misfits investigates a series of supernatural crimes in Victorian London for Dr. Watson and his shadowy assistant Sherlock Holmes. 
I don't really feel like I need any more of these, but that's there. It just feels like, kind of like, a bit like The X-Files and a bit like Penny Dreadful. Yeah, except it's Sherlock Holmes, yeah, agree. Mm. Um, also, uh, Greta Landon on uh, Netflix on Friday as well. When a trusting young woman returns a left-behind handbag to a lonely widow, they spark up a friendship that soon turns sinister. Now, I wanted to see this when it came out in cinemas. Uh, mm-hmm. Chloe Moretz lead in this. Yeah. It had notes on a scandal vibes to me from the trailer. Yeah. Um, so I'm a little bit curious about that. And on Shudder on Thursday the 25th this week, the Shudder exclusive is Violation. Yeah, yeah. This seems pretty hard going from what I can gather. Certainly does sound like it. I know a lot of people have been talking about it. With her marriage on the verge of collapse, Miriam returns to her hometown to seek solace in the comfort of her younger sister and brother-in-law after years apart. In one evening, a small slip in judgment leads to a catastrophic betrayal, leaving Miriam shocked, reeling and furious, and she embarks on an extreme course of action to address the situation. Mm. And to conclude, uh, and I'm going to preemptively shout this as the pick, just because nepotism. Okay, so someone we know. Well, I mean, it's uh, you could say that. It's us. So yeah, as regular listeners will know, uh, Mitch Harrod has been uh, powering on through lockdown for the last eight weeks with Shockdown Saturdays, keeping mm. it entertained with double features and special events. And this coming weekend is no different. And it is a special one this time, an evening with Matt Mercer, who a longtime friend of the show, of course, you may remember him from our episodes on Halloween 6 and Ravenous. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But special event this week. So we're doing a live episode via Zoom, but also Mitch is screening the UK premiere of Browse, mm-hmm. which is the new film from uh, director Mike Testin, who obviously works with Matt a lot and worked with him on Dementia Part 2, which yes. is also screening. Oh, amazing. Um, at 7pm. So uh, you've got Browse at 5, Dementia Part 2 at 7, and then um, immediately after that, at nine o'clock, it's us and it's Matt Mercer, and we'll be telling you more about that through this week. So keep your eyes on the social media feeds because more info on that is inbound. Yeah, I mean, we do know what the film is going to be. Yeah, um, we know, but okay, okay, we have to clear when we when we can talk about it. Yeah, I figure that that's maybe best coming from Mitch. Very true. Yeah, but join us for that if you can. However, before that, we do have the small matter of this week's main show. Yeah, another episode. That's honestly, this train just keeps on chugging. Absolutely, and another guest. I'm happy to report. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to this one, actually. Like, uh, this guy is one of my favourite directors out there, to be honest. Um, yeah, he's kind of been on our list for a little while. Now seems like a pretty good time mm. to uh, make it happen, given as a whole bunch of his work has just landed on the Arrow player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five shots, I believe. Absolutely. You know him best as the director of such shorts as Crowhand, BFF Girls, Gwilliam, William's tips for turning tricks into treats, and his new short, The Devil's Asshole, it's Brian Lenano. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I've been really lucky to both play at festivals alongside Brian's films with my stuff, and to kind of screen some of Brian's stuff at events that I've put together. So like, this is really cool for me as well, to be able to have Brian on the show. And the film, wow, what a choice. So yeah, the film is one that people have asked us about. Um, people who don't understand the format have asked us why we haven't covered it yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're finally doing this one. Yeah. We'll go back to 1974. The second time, I think, that we've done a film from John Borman. Oh, the first being the highly controversial Exorcist 2. Yes, of course. Yes, yes. Everyone, praise be to Zardoz. It's happening. We are doing Zardoz this week, and we are doing it with the aid, with the guiding hand 
of Brian Lenano. This is going to be great. I'm really looking forward to this. Yep, I'm buzzing for this as well. How are you feeling? If you want to get in touch with this, you know what to do. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. You can email scenes at gmail.com and you can join the conversation on the Facebook group, The Chud Locker. Yep, and Patreon. We mentioned it at the top of the show. I'll mention it again. We will have two Patreon items coming this week. We will have another review and we will have another Irredeemables. And by crikey, they're both worth listening to. Yeah, some good stuff in bounds. So once again, patreon.com slash stronglanguageviolentscenes. Take a look, see if there's anything over there that tickles your fancy. In the meantime, though, back in the main feeds on Friday, talking Zardoz with Brian Lenano. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. Hey guys, I just want to jump back in briefly and say thank you to a trio of new patrons. Ah, guys, thank you so much for putting your hands in your pockets to support us. It means the world and you're all champions. Back to you, Mitch. Yes, so first off we have got Rebecca Barr. Rebecca, thank you. You're a hero, a shiro. Thank you, you're the best. <laughs> Speaking of heroes, big thank you to Sarah. Yeah, Sarah, no surname. Yep, the enigmatic Sarah. The enigmatic Sarah. But thank you nonetheless, Sarah, whatever your surname is. Please reach out, let us know. Yeah, I have a couple of theories about which Sarah it might be, but I'm not going to speculate. I just want to say thank you, Sarah. Yes, yes, indeed. And finally, Rory McKenzie, who uh, some of you may know by another name, but that's all I'm saying. Big thank you to you. Greatly appreciated. Welcome aboard. Yeah, Rory, your secret is safe with us. We will say no more than that. Regular listeners to the show or people of the Chudlocker will probably know already. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to be the one to unmask him. Absolutely not, nor am I. However, if you want to join this ever-expanding wee family that we've got going here, then you know what to do. Head over to patreon.com slash scenes. See you guys this week in the feeds. Bye! You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.